So last night's game, uh, we are a tri-weekly email newsletter and a podcast, as well as we have reader-driven content on our website. And we cover sports for people who want to be able to talk about sports, but don't know a lot about sports. Uh, the barrier to entry into learning sports is, is kind of high. You know, a lot of people don't have the time or the capacity to watch ESPN, and nor do they really care to. And that's what we cater to. We cater to those of you who want to be able to talk sports in a social situation or at the office, but don't really have time to dive into what's happening in the world of sports. And I guess the way we cover it is, is sort of sports meets pop culture. I want sports to be interesting. I want it to be something that the person who doesn't care at all, who is playing on the court or on the field, I want them to be able to join the conversation and talk about it. So for instance, today we talked about, uh, to kick, up, to kick off um, Women's History Month, we talked about athletes' wives who bring home the bacon. Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Amy. How are you? I'm well. How are you today? I'm doing well. I actually wanted to say, what is? how do you pronounce your last name? Siegfried. Siegfried. Have you ever heard of Siegfried and Roy in Las Vegas? No. <laughs> so that's what my usual, I tell people, it's like Siegfried and Roy in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the Playroom officially. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Anytime. And also, happy March and happy Women's History Month. Thank you. Yes, happy March. Gosh, I can't believe we're already in March again. Right? Like, time has gone so fast. It's already March. (laughs) It was February just the other day. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So, there we go. Mm hmm. There is so much for us to. Oh, I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, I love Atlanta. Oh yeah, when last were you here? Places. Pardon? When last were you here? I was there in September. Oh. Not too long ago. Yeah, some dear friends of ours. Yeah, I we're planning a meeting out in uh, Lake Oconee. Mm-hmm. And um, some friends of ours from Singapore now live in Atlanta, and so we um, went to go visit them on our way out to Lake Oconee. So. Oh wow! Did you hope you had a good time while you were out here? Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, the weather is amazing too. It's a great, it's a great spot. I, I love Atlanta. Maybe not in the middle of the summer, but I love Atlanta. So yeah. <laughs> what about you? Where are you at? Uh, right now, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. What's the so weather I like go between here and uh, I'm from Las Vegas, so I go between, and that's where our business is based. Okay. And then I, I'm also going to school in Chicago, so I'm kind of all over the place. Oh, nice. What's the weather like out there? Today it's 70 degrees and sunny. Oh, okay. That's pretty nice. So I'll take it. it we had the, the kind of ice storm a couple of weeks ago when everybody got hit with all that weather. Yeah. And so I'm happy to be back into sunshine. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. We have so much to talk about today. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I know you have a lot Thanks. of insight. Oh, well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you again for having me. Anytime, anytime. I was also going to... Um, jumped right into it and and i've been seeing a lot on your profile about last night's game i really want to know more about that mm-hmm. yeah so let's let's okay. start off with that and and tell me more what that is about and what it is and just give a little insight on what it actually brings to the table sure okay tell me more about the last night's game what what it means to you because i know that's something that you've highlighted and you also talked about um your brother scott who created the last night's game to give your friends the same advantage and it empowers readers to join the sports conversation because i think sports is a big conversation all throughout you know different platforms so what's your take on it so last night's game, uh, we are a tri-weekly email newsletter and a podcast, as well as we have reader-driven content on our website. And we cover sports for people who want to be able to talk about sports, but don't know a lot about sports. Uh, the barrier to entry into learning sports is, is kind of high. You know, a lot of people don't have the time or the capacity to watch ESPN, and nor do they really care to. And that's what we cater to. We cater to those of you who want to be able to talk sports in a social situation or at the office, but don't really have time to dive into what's happening in the world of sports. And 
I guess the way we cover it is, is sort of sports meets pop culture. I want sports to be interesting. I want it to be something that the person who doesn't care at all, who is playing on the court or on the field, I want them to be able to join the conversation and talk about it still. So for instance, today we talked about, uh, to, kick up, to kick off um, Women's History Month, we talked about athletes' wives who bring home the bacon. So okay. we talked about women like Victoria Beckham or Sierra, who have careers and have beautiful careers and so, are so successful despite what their husbands do. They were there for, they had their own careers first. And so we, we talk about things like that in the world of sports that still makes it conversational. And so my whole goal or our whole goal is that you have a little bit of something to lead into a conversation with, and then you can take that and spin it however you want. So for instance, let's say something's happening with the Chicago Cubs. You can say, you know what? I heard that uh, the Chicago Cubs, they won the World Series. I love Chicago. Have you ever been there? Where do you like to go? Where do you like to eat? Where do you stay? What do you like to do? So you can take that little nugget of sports information and spin that into a conversation that someone might know a little bit more about. And so I look at it from the perspective of it's a great conversation starter. And that's what we do on our Instagram every day is, uh, is conversation starters because just that little nugget is all you need. I mean, that's that's why we read newspapers. Well, if you read newspapers, that's why you watch the news <laughs> and you you know you read your news online because you want to be able to join in that conversation. You want to know what's going on. And so, um, a little background on on why we started last night's game. So, uh, I worked in Major League Baseball for a handful of years, and I started as an intern. And I brought one of my girlfriends to the ball uh, the ball game. And the guys are running off the field. And she said, well, why are they running off the field? And I said, well, they have three outs. And she said, what's an out? And not that there's anything wrong about not knowing anything about sports, because I don't judge the least bit. I ask the most sports questions of anybody I know. But I wanted her to be able to join that conversation, because what I realized is she's missing out on that that dialogue that happens in the office and between usually a bunch of guys about the world of sports. And so I wanted to figure out how to cover sports in a way that anyone could chime in. And so, as I mentioned, I was an intern, so I was probably about 20 at that point. And I called my brother and said, hey, I've got this great idea. Let's, how do we cover sports for women, especially, who wanna be able to talk about sports with their sporty boyfriends or sporty office mates, um, or their sporty friends. I have plenty of girlfriends who know more about sports than I do. And uh, he said, that's a really great idea, but I'm in high school, and he was in high school at that point, and, Myself, I was working 80 hours a week, and he's like, when are we gonna have time to do that? And obviously, Squarespace and those other platforms that allow you to make a website, and the MailChimp's of the world allow you to send emails, didn't exist back then when we came up with this idea. And so it was tabled for about 14 years. And then we resurrected it uh, at one point. When I moved back from Singapore, uh, they weren't, no one was hiring because it was Thanksgiving. And as we all know, hiring doesn't really happen between Thanksgiving and New Year's, so. Had a couple of a couple of weeks to sort of I won't say twiddle my thumbs, but do something. And so we looked at this idea and said, "What happens if we resurrect it and give it a shot now?" We had a couple of weeks to roll it out, and so that's where it started, and and here's where we are today. So wow, that's a great story, and it started before. You. You're welcome. It started right before the digital phase began. <laughs> <laughs> so much easier right we obviously with email but people weren't sending email blasts you weren't getting a thousand emails every morning about every shop you ever shopped on and so it was before all that really was was mainstream and so that wasn't an opportunity for us at that point and so it it, it worked itself out the way it was supposed to that's allowed me great. to have a, a career of about 15 more years of experience to dump into the the to the um to the business before we started it so Oh, wow. That's amazing. And since, because we're talking about now and how it started then, have you had the same loyal fans and the same loyal customers and the same loyal community before and after and also during that phase that probably you want to hiatus? You know, how has the response been in terms of creating that connection? You know, I think it's been really great. It's been interesting to see you know, when we started, we, we didn't really, contrary to what we probably should have done, we didn't have a target market set. We started off with an email link that went out and it went out to all of our family and friends that they clicked and they went to the website and that had sort of the, the write-up for the day. Yeah. And that has since morphed to being a much more female-oriented audience. 
And what I love is we have people who've been around since the very beginning. And we have new people who we pick up all the time that I get great notes from of how that's, that's helped them and how they enjoy uh, the conversation with uh, their husbands. I had one today when we talked about that athletes, uh, wives who bring home the bacon. We had one today that she was just super excited that they were, we were talking about designers she knew and people that she knew and tying that all in together makes it really approachable. And so it's been really, for us, the challenge is continuing to make content relevant. Obviously that's the challenge for everyone. Yeah. But we find all these nuggets and those, those shout outs from people are huge inspirations for us to keep going. And so that's what I really enjoy that is you have those fans who have been around since the beginning. And those are some of our friends that I rely on. I'll, I'll text and say, do you like this topic or this topic better? And, or they'll send me stuff and say, I think you should write about this because mm-hmm. I'm curious. And so it's great to hear from everyone from who's been around from the beginning to, to, to new, new people to hear what they also want to learn because um, like someone approached me once and said, I want to learn what I need to know to go to a golf tournament. A lot of charity golf tournaments happen. What do I need? What's the, what are the basics that I need to know? What do I need not to do? What do I need to wear? Um, kind of give me some basics about golf so I behave myself but can still ask questions and learn. And so it's been, it's been interesting just to see how people uh, take that into their everyday life. Wow. That's amazing because you're kind of creating a tribe even if you didn't expect to make one, it's like a community that serves you as you serve them better because it's not just, oh, check out this baseball match, you know, check out this amazing league. It's more so what do you want to hear and what do you want us to tell you more of so that we can be on the same page and speak the same language because it's all about feedback. Exactly. And it's all about, we want to make it work for you because that's the whole point. Right. And so I think that's been, it's been really fun to see that and see that um, conversation happen. That's amazing. And even with your, your background, the stories that I've been able to read, it's so inspiring because you have, you know, you're getting your MBA, you're raising a family, you're running a business. Those are three things that somebody would say, okay, I'm going to take two years to do my master's. I'm going to take some time to run a business before I think about a family, but you're doing them all together. And that's highly commendable. How do you, you know, keep your sanity? Let me actually ask you that. How do you keep your sanity? Because it can get crazy right from the home to leave to a business front, to go to a game, and then you have to still go back to school and then come back right there and then. So how do you train yourself to not go crazy or just go gaga? (laughs) Well, some days are are better than others. (laughs) I have to say that much. Um, you know, it's it's taking it's taking little pieces and little chunks of it off, off at a time. And what I really love for me about school is I go to school in Chicago, so I fly in every other weekend and spend time with my classmates there, which allows me to compartmentalize my school a little bit. So I get to enjoy and make those relationships there in Chicago. Then I fly home, and what I like about that is I get that chance to separate from and learn there we're not having to worry about changing diapers and that kind of stuff you you never leave the job at home that always comes with you everywhere you go and i've been known to work in the back of the classroom but um to be honest it it truly is just figuring out which is what is priority and there's uh, what i my son goes to school five days a week and for me he's two and a half so he goes to school five days a week but for me that allows me to get a lot of my work done during the day and then when i have picked him up from school I have that little dose of time with him where I can be mom and then can step back after, um, after I put him to bed and I can do schoolwork and real work. And so it's, it's that trying to find those times where I can be there for him when I can. And that my job allows me to do that. So I can get up early and work before he gets up. I can work when he's at school. And so it works out well that I've just figured out a, a system that works for us. Yeah. And there's things like, you know what? Takeout happens sometimes. Sometimes we're going to stop and pick up Chick-fil-A for dinner because guess what? That is just the way life happens. And right. I have a really very supportive husband uh, who also works full time. But it's actually worked out really well because he used to travel a ton for work. And with COVID, he's clearly not traveling hardly at all. And so that has really helped to keep the balance a little bit better in our family, too, because he's able to stay with him on the weekends when I'm gone for school. And so that gives them some quality time together as well. So, you know what, to be quite honest, we just flex and make it all work. Um, I'm, sometimes sleep is a little hard to come by, but I'm also trying to prioritize that because I realize that if I'm not healthy and I don't feed myself with some sleep, then I'm not going to be productive either. So 
it's it's a it's a there's there's no rhyme or reason it's it's um half the time it's kind of feels like a mess and a tornado but you know we we figure just like everybody else and especially you know i think of the families who are at home with two working parents and their kids are still not back in school from for covid and it's a challenge i mean the the couple of months we spent with him out of school it was tough it was really tough because he's little he doesn't understand what it's like to he needs attention he doesn't understand what you're doing on your computer he wants you to play with him right and so um, we have that benefit where I wasn't having to also teach him at school but he also didn't understand what was going on so we've just we've just fluxed like everybody else and and figured it out do you think that this especially because now it's March so around this time last year was really getting terrible do you think that between now and last year there has been more family time and more connection than ever because of our crazy schedules despite the fact that we are still on zoom and we still have things to deadline and meet do you think it has created a big a better connection or do you think it's just made things just go the way it's supposed to go whenever it's supposed to go to you know i I remember march last year and we were talking to my brother and saying okay well let's keep tabs on this and then they canceled march madness the fast college basketball basketball tournament and we both went oh okay this is a big deal we need to really um keep it together and that was a challenge in its own right because there were no sport live sports so when you're a sports company that covers sports uh, we definitely had to get creative which was um which was interesting but it was fun because we were allowed to get creative and not cover actual sports we were able to you know actual like scores and things like that um, we were actually able to get creative and, and cover fun different topics. But um, in terms of family time, I do think it I think it gave us more time together, which is something we didn't have. It's taught us to slow down. You know, we're big at our house on eating dinner together. And that allowed us to do that. It allowed us to take a break. We weren't nobody was traveling quite as much. It allowed us to sort of appreciate the 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 quiet moments and the quiet time playing outside and those kinds of things like that that I don't think you really, I don't think we always slow down enough to step back and appreciate how great it was just to have a, a chance to spend an hour outside together in the front yard. And I, I, those kinds of things are, are invaluable. And I think for, I guess, my husband who traveled a lot, it was a great, it's a great opportunity for him to be involved in our son's life when he was probably going to be gone a lot. Yeah. And so, and now that they're together when I'm gone, they get their father son time as well. So, it's, I, I truly think that it's given us all a chance to grow together. Um, you know, it's a lot of parents I talk to and a lot of just individuals I talk to. There's a lot of, I mean, obviously we've all had an extreme amount of challenges being at, being at home. But those challenges also equal some other great quality times and time to grow together. So would you think the same thing in, in, from your perspective as well? Oh, yeah, most definitely. And it's actually amazing that it happened. In a, in a, I would say in a disguise in terms of family time and keeping things close because last year was the year that I also ended up um, proposing and and it's like that's that was a huge moment for me. Congratulations! Thank you because you know I was really really thinking about family time, business, career. Where am I gonna go next? Because everybody's on edge, everyone's on the fence. I wanted to do something that's actually monumental for my career so that i'm able to pivot off that and create something that's valuable to my society so being in that space made me to sit back like you said slow down think about exactly why i'm doing this who am i doing this for and where am i going right after this so it made me so focused and honed in on my talents on my skills on my actual being around here and it just created a whole new path for me. So I think that path to discovery is what I think everybody has come to find because think about it. A lot of new businesses have been created. A lot of businesses have been lost at the same time. But if you think about the opportunities and you think about the advantages, they weigh out more than the negative because now you can be able to really focus and hone in and say, hey, I used to spend six hours doing this because I was required to. Now I can spend three hours and focus on the other three hours to elevate myself. So it has this kind of good and bad. It's like good doctor, bad doctor kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really helped as well. So that has brought a lot of innovation, a lot of creativity, and most definitely a lot of time to actually care about, you know, your values. So 
you know even for you when you mentioned sports um one of the episodes that we had on this we don't play podcast station was um his his name is ben pfefferman and he's in canada he's in toronto and he was talking about esports and that was the second time i got to hear about esports and he really broke it down because i was not sure about what esports was and you know people be like esports is that playstation games no it's not you know people would think about all those things so for you when you said that you had to be creative was there any virtual um component that would probably have an esports element to it or are they completely two different things when you think about sports and the industry you know it's it's truly i mean esports is the is to me is so absolutely fascinating as i mentioned to you in our before we started it um I'm from Las Vegas, and so Las Vegas has embraced the esports element. They've built an arena for esports, and for me, it was something I didn't know a lot about. And we dove into it, and I find it fascinating. I think it was a maybe Mortal Kombat Championship, and there were this was obviously pre-COVID. There were forty thousand people in this in the arena, and there were two guys sitting at a well, their consoles essentially playing video games, which seems so. For those of us who don't watch, they're not our, like, not our thing and we're not familiar with it, it seems weird and it seems boring. It was fascinating. My husband and I sat there and we're watching it on ESPN. And I mean, we, we couldn't even, we weren't even talking because it was just so interesting to watch this and watch how fast and their reaction. I mean, it was incredible. And that's the one thing we did end up covering. We do, we have done some coverage of esports and, um, it's so interesting because it's it's a massively growing industry and that's one thing i find fascinating too is a lot of sports you're looking at baseball and nascar they're struggling some of these sports are really struggling and they're not growing like the nfl they're not growing like the nba i mean soccer is obviously as as we've all probably all heard is is growing leaps and bounds in the the u.s but esports is out of control, and I'm going to pull this up so I can. And I'll send you this link to uh to the, the write up we did on the esport. Okay. But um, it's it's fascinating. I mean, they the, the growth rate, and I'm going to pull these numbers up real quick because I don't want to screw them up. But the number of people across the world that watch these various um, I'll call them matchups, if you will, you're talking a couple hundred thousand people watching one matchup. Six. This was these numbers are as of April 2020. So these are last year. But 6.6 billion hours of esports videos were watched worldwide last year. Whoa! I mean, that's insane when you really think about that. And you know, kind of wow. we broke it down because for the the newbie, there you know, there's um, PC, which is computer or console, like an Xbox, and those are different different leagues and different tournaments. It's it's truly fascinating, and that these 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 players, these athletes, because truly, I can't imagine what your hands feel like at the end of one of these. And one of these, one of these <laughs> right. But you're seeing, I mean, they're athletes and you're seeing teams like the NBA, you have the NBA 2K League and how they're embracing this growth, this massive growth and their work going with it. I mean, NASCAR, if you, I don't remember, but NASCAR, when we were off during COVID, they did a whole um, E-series, an iRacing I Pro Invitational series where they raced in their own homes, but they aired it like it was an actual race. So it's fascinating to see what they put together for this and how people are. This is just the tip of the ice. I mean, this is just the the tip of the iceberg. Like we haven't even started on what this could be and the massive growth that we could realize in the U.S. especially. Oh yeah, most definitely. And I see that it's becoming a trend too because you know there's Twitch now and people never used to know what it was and now it's becoming more and more familiar. But also, if you think about the traditional sports system, when it comes to like buying a ticket, going to a stadium, experiencing, feeling like you're part of the game, because like in soccer, for example, I'm a Manchester City fan, and I know that there's so much thrill when then you're in, when you're on stage, you're thinking about oh this this player is about to score, you know, you have all these amazing moments. But now because of COVID. You look at the same sports arena and you don't see people there. So are, are, are the stadiums losing because of the ticketing and, you know, the pricing points and, the, you know, breaking even? Of course, they have staff to pay. So there's so many logistics that come into play when you think about behind the scenes of just the sports arena. So 
did that have a shift or did they have to get creative to actually create more space to elevate and leverage on you know the opportunities well it's it's so one of the, the things that to me really heightened that is so you're seeing some of these stadiums open up and bring in a handful of fans whatever that might be a couple thousand fans depending on on where they, the sport and where they're located and I would assume that, based on what I know, that they're probably losing money because you're paying, you're still having to pay your concession workers, you're still having to pay your ushers, and all those folks. But you're you're not obviously operating anywhere near capacity, so you're still employing everyone to bring them in. But it's it's fans in the stands. It's what people want, right? You need. I think we're at that point where players are desperate for the fan participation. It is kind of funny when you 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 talk to some of these or you hear from some of these players what it's like to have less fans in the stands because everyone's voice echoes. So that person that might harass you and heckle you before was covered up by everybody else. Now you can hear that lady in row 52 right. screaming at you, telling you you stink, right? <laughs> and so that's kind of a funny thing. You know, it's uh, one of the things that kind of struck me is, so during the Super Bowl, Pepsi and Coke both pulled back any commercials that they had. And there were multiple things that I've read about it, but one that I read about that was, we have to imagine their product consumption with no stadiums has got to be so low, right? On a commercial capacity, restaurants aren't open, stadiums aren't operating. And so you look at just even that side of it, that that hurt their bottom line in a significant way. And that was one of the reasons I read that they were not doing Super Bowl commercials, which because it was a choice between laying people off or keeping them there and not doing a Super Bowl commercial. Mm. So you look at just the, the the downward trend of how that's not having a games at a stadium impacts the local community around it, the mom and pop shop on the corner that sells beer, the guy who sells hot dogs out front. That kind of thing has been really um, it's sad to see, but we're I'm hopeful that you know we're starting to see they're going to have fans at March Madness this year at some of the tournament spaces. Nice. Um, so we'll see how that works and. I mean, little by little, we'll start taking back in a safe way, and they've, they've done well. And I haven't seen any red flags for any of the events, like the Super Bowl, where they brought in um, twenty-two thousand people into into Florida for that. So, hopefully, we'll get back to whatever normal looks like. Right. Quote, normal, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I think that's a great point that you mentioned because now it's where people are getting more innovative with their creation and understanding that hey if i'm not able to do this with 10 people on ground i could do it i could do the same thing with 100 people online or virtually so now you're able to actually expand and then when everything gets back to normal hopefully prayerfully you know we're able to get back in order and things are able to just get back to the, the way it was and then maybe now you can even have a better stand because you have two audiences both virtual and also traditional so I think it's like a it's give take, right? So I, I think it's it's good in a way, but also like if you don't see the opportunity and fall back, then that's on you. But most people, I think, mm-hmm. have been able to wake up and smell the coffee. Well, it's interesting to see them. T- oh, excuse me. Go ahead. I was just saying it was interesting to see too that during the election you saw a lot of these facilities that were normally booked are wide open so they've used those as polling places yeah and so it was it it is cool to see what they've done and attempted to do to fill in the blanks i know there's quite a few that are now covid vaccine locations or covid testing and so whatever you can do to utilize and maximize that giant space that you have more power to you Exactly, exactly. And even speaking about entrepreneurship, because that's where the focus is, especially when it comes to creating jobs and, you know, being in the know-how. How would you say that you your entrepreneurial spirit has created this impact for your community around you, for your business? And most definitely, how what kind of advice would you share with hopeful entrepreneurs that are really looking for an edge they're probably still thinking what can i do with my time you know not everyone has really figured it out yet so how can you let them know that hey it's not over yet what can they be able to do today that can help them for tomorrow you know that's a really great question i would say the biggest thing would be just to keep to to, to check out see what's out there and so say you have an idea whatever that might be see what's out there and see how you can differentiate yourself just because for us it was we wanted to cover sports in a way that anyone could understand them. We're not specifically covering females, women's sports. We're not specifically covering baseball or certain regions of the country. We're bringing everyone when it comes to that kind of stuff. And 
for us, that was our differentiator. There are people who cover women-only sports for women. There are um, people who cover only this region or ESPN who covers everybody, primarily sort of your mainstream store of sports. But how is that different? And so the biggest thing that I would say and what I've learned throughout my career is the differentiator. What makes you different? If you have an idea to make the next slushy, what makes yours different? Does yours, you know, we've seen people put alcohol in them. We've seen people do the sugar-free kind. We've seen people do keto-friendly, whatever that might be. Find your niche that makes you different. Yeah. That is the biggest thing that... I've seen it. I learned that early on in my career. So um, when I worked for the Diamondbacks, um, we had a team, a team foundation, and there was a grant process where nonprofit organizations from across the state would write in and request grant money for different projects. Mm. And what I learned starting from that was I read a couple hundred applications, and how many of them were the same. And that's what always blew my mind: is you're serving the same area, the same location, but you're doing the exact same thing. Either why aren't you working together or why aren't you doing something different because someone's already doing this. And there's enough to go around in this world that I think that there's a huge opportunity to differentiate yourself. And that's going to be the key to the success of what your business could be or might be. And if you want it, somebody else wants it. And I've learned that in school is if I have a question, somebody else probably has that question, no matter how stupid I feel asking it. Because I'm the first one in a global finance class to say, I don't, I don't understand what this Excel spreadsheet means. I don't understand what these numbers mean. And somebody else inevitably always has that same question. And so same with the product. If you want it, chances are someone else does too. It's a matter of researching and seeing what's out there. And I think I learned that partially. I, I come from, I'm a third generation entrepreneur. My, my grandfather and my dad were both mechanics and owned their own garage. And some of the, just the tactics... You know, I just finished a negotiation class in school and I thought, well, heck, my dad could teach this negotiation class because the things that as a small business owner, you have to do and you have to finagle. It's so funny. And I mean, it's, it's, it's true, but it's the things that used to embarrass me as a kid, we'd go buy a piece of furniture and my dad would be haggling over, you know, is it, are they going to deliver it for free or whatever it might be. But those are all things that we need in life. We all need to make happen. And so it was just really funny that some of those things that now resonate with me as an adult that I, I, I saw or I, I learned as a child. And I, I don't know, I think there's a huge opportunity for people to continue to grow in the market that we live in. We have Etsy, we have all these different great platforms um, that allow us to Shopify, that allow us to make our own stores and sell our own things. And there's no time like the present to step out and do your own consulting business. If you have a talent, do it. I mean, I did that. So I was laid off from a job. Um, gosh, this is probably 10 or 15 years, 10 years ago or so I was laid off, but I had people while I was working for this corporation people were saying to me, I wish I could afford to hire you because I really like you to, to help me with events and with my marketing. And so when I got laid off, I went to those people and said, Hey, what, what does this look like to work together? You've two or three of you have asked me to help with different things. How can we make this a business and I can then sustain myself and you can get the help that you need for a price point that makes sense. And so that's what we did. And we sort of threw it together. And I mean, I flew by the seat of my pants. I mean, it was one of those, I lived in Phoenix at the point and downtown Phoenix offered a grant for an attorney to help you file the paperwork to get your, um, to get your, your part, your limited partnership. I mean, it was all these wow. things and that they needed to establish a business and they were going to give it to you if you just looked for it. Mm. So those opportunities exist everywhere. They really, truly do. There's, there's cities now paying entrepreneurs or remote workers to move there to work and hopefully stay. And so there are so many opportunities if you're willing to look for them and you're willing to give it a go. I mean, so much about, I, I think you could probably attest to this as well, about doing what we do is saying yes and just figuring it out. Um, I think that's part of it is, you know, when you start a business, you are everything. You're the attorney, you're the marketing person, you're the social media person, you're the face of the franchise, all those things. And you just have to figure it out. And you rely on the internet is a wonderful, blessed thing um, that will help you do some of those things. But just be willing to have that gumption of just saying, okay, yep, you know what? We're going to take on an advertiser. 
sure, we'll figure out what that looks like. We'll piece it together in the back end. No one will know any difference. Right. And so I, I think those things are really just having that. I think that's the entrepreneurial spirit that people talk about is truly having that gumption of just going, all right, hold on to your hats. Here we go. Exactly. And when you wear a lot of hats, I feel like you learn better. And especially if it's your first, second, third year, because it usually says that when you have a business, it takes about three years to break even if you're really, really focused on your business plan. And with doing that consistently, you're actually growing because when you're hiring someone, you're trying to hire someone that's better than you so that you can do less of that. Not that, oh, you need a job. All right, I'll teach you how to do this. No, it's like this is a training curve. This is exactly what I want you to do. But in the midst of all that, there's relationship building. You know, there's working ethics. You know, there's so many objectives that you have to cover and not just, oh, you have a good resume or you have a great CV or you went to Harvard. You know, there are so many components, your soft skills, your hard skills. You know, you have to think about all those things. So when you're building relationships with people, especially in the entrepreneurial world, how does someone maintain those long lasting relationships and don't think of give, take, give, take, how do they sustain themselves and stay that, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. This is the relationship I want to build. So how am I thinking about importance for building relationships rather than just cultivating, you know, short, temporary forevers? How, how do you manage that? That's a great question. So by nature, I'm a connector. That's what I love to do. I love to connect people and say, hey, you need to listen to this new podcast. You need to meet this person, whatever that might be. I'm not real strong on the love connection, so that's maybe why I'm not a matchmaker. But, um, you know, I, I think that's part of it is is understanding that there's always something you can give. And it may not be financially. It may just be, you know, I was talking to someone, my son's pediatrician the other day, and he was talking about how he does the, the social media for his practice. And he really has, he just figured out what a story is and all those different things on Instagram. And I said, well, if I can help you, just holler because sometimes having that person to ask that question to is and just making yourself available is, is huge but i would also say that you know i think you really do need to to deposit to withdrawal if you will yeah and i will tell you that i i've tried i've worked with a lot of different vendors you know in the beginning i was really hesitant to spend any money so we did everything ourselves and that was slightly painful but like you said you learned we learned a lot and I think some of those skill sets from my career really did benefit me in building what we did. But I, I think too, like you say, when you're small, whoever you bring in has to meet a lot of those, check a lot of those boxes because they're, they are maybe not just your marketing person or helping you do social media, but you're using them as a, a litmus, right? You're checking things against them. You're all these things. You have to have the right personality because if you're not a personality fit, I'm, I've got to work with you all day long. That's going to be really hard for me to, to, to fake that. And so I will say we've done some relationships have been great. Some people we've hired haven't gone quite as well. And so I think it's, it's just learning that learning what you need and being willing to ask for it as well. And setting those expectations up front. I think that is a huge piece of that, that setting those expectations and what you need from them, what you need reporting out, what you need financially, whatever that deal might look like. That is a huge piece of that. And in the beginning, I think I was much more intimidated to ask that, but then realized that I'm the client and the best way we are successful is if we both communicate with each other openly. Yeah. And so if I didn't like something, I said so. And it's really funny because from when we first started, I see that I was doing five or six revisions of something. And now we're working with a graphic designer that she, I did one revision. Because I'm communicating what I want more. She's also talented in asking the right questions, but I'm giving her a lot of what I want up front versus thinking, oh yeah, I forgot about this. Oh yeah, I forgot about this. I'm giving that all to her now and I were able to be much more efficient because she's we're, we're both in a good spot in what we're doing and I know what to ask for now at this point. And so I think that's a whole piece of that is, is truly being transparent. I mean, that's my biggest thing is, you know, when I do interviews like this, I say and there's no question off the table because someone out there has it. Someone is intimidated by entrepreneurship or starting a family and having a business. I can't tell you how many people had offhanded comments about me having a baby and having a baby a business as a baby and how I was going to do both. And so I think it's to understand that people need to be open and honest and 
that is a huge piece of success because we see so much on Instagram and in social media that looks beautiful and buttoned up and it's really not that way. Mm-mm. And we've had our, 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 our fan base and our people who follow us on social, they've asked for more behind the scenes, which is really funny for me because I have no desire to be some sort of influencer, but people have asked questions. They want to see behind the scenes. They want to see what's happening. And I think that's all important because it showcases that you are a real human. There are challenges. There are things that don't go well. You fail at things. Yeah. I failed at plenty of things. <laughs> and so I, uh, I think that's, I think the transparency is a huge piece of that. And just realizing that you have a lot to offer, but someone has a lot to offer to you. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask for it and don't ask, ask for help. Exactly. And I think, even I see that on Clubhouse too. I'm hosting rooms just um, on Pinterest marketing because I just launched uh, a mastermind course on Pinterest marketing and how to scale with your business, especially now that people are re- really trying to recover financially in their business. So we actually even got to see, because I have a co-host as, as well. Her name is Kate. And we talked about this even last night that some people are just scared to ask questions, not because they don't know, but because they don't have that self-confidence within themselves to actually speak out. And I see that a lot going on in Clubhouse already. And it's like, why can't you speak out? But sometimes it's that self-reliance and that self-awareness that, hey, I have something that I can bring to the world and I can actually make a difference. So I think that's an area of focus that people need to really think about and, and grow with. Because once you're able to know that, hey, I'm really good at this and my dad told me I'm good. My sister told me I'm good. My best friend told me I'm good. My husband told me I'm good. I'm, I should feel some type of way. But I also think that people also look for that instant gratification. And if you, they only get three likes, that's it. You know, just last night, Instagram, you know, they had a glitch in the like system and things just went crazy. The internet went wild last night. So it's like when people see these things, I feel like it's much more beneficial to them to create that impression and actually learn the curve instead of just being part of the society that's just falling apart and saying, oh, this is a trend. Okay, I'm going to follow it. They should be the trend and not follow the trend. Absolutely. And like I said, if some if you have a question and you're in a clubhouse, um, set up a clubhouse meeting, I, sorry, I was like, I don't even know what to call it, clubhouse meeting, and then you <laughs> ask it because someone else has that question. Yeah. And someone else might not be bold enough to ask and so ask it if you have a business idea do it i think there's so many opportunities out there and you know it's it's interesting i met with a girl a couple months ago who runs a an incubator out of new york and her whole thing is she doesn't her job she doesn't look for businesses that could go that could exit so there she's not looking for businesses that are the next facebook and all of those those are great and if those come along fantastic but she's like not everyone's made to exit. Not everyone's meant to be bought out by a bigger company. Yeah. Some people are meant to thrive in their own zone and that's all they need and they can be perfectly successful in that space. Not everyone's meant to be the next Facebook. And so I found that as a really interesting and refreshing change of pace because I think as a business owner, people push you and, well, what's your next strategy? What's your what's your strategy? What's your exit? What's your exit? What's that look like? And it's like, well, sometimes it's okay to be in your own space and be in your own lane and be successful and make a a, a good living and do what you want to do and not have to worry about being bought out by whatever the next big thing is. So I I really enjoyed that kind of refreshing perspective of not everybody's made to go there. Not everyone's business is made to go to that route. Yeah. So that's, and that's okay. You don't have to be Whitney from Bumble. That's okay. Right. And that does not mean you're not successful you can be, absolutely superiorly successful doing what you do in the space that you do it in the lane that you do it in exactly that's a great point to mention because once you're able to speak out someone somewhere is going to take in to what you're saying and you're going to be able to actually bring light to someone's business either in form of any fashion it can be able to actually help that person succeed grow become better and just learn the way and the and the curve because not everyone started like you're a third generation entrepreneur 
Some people that are first generation entrepreneurs probably have no clue what this actually means to just sleep without, you know, getting a sale or getting a closed deal. And then you have to still wake up the next morning and do the same thing. So it's that tenacity that really, really keeps you in check. And also some other, you know, business entrepreneurs either have, they either dropped out or they have amazing school degrees. You know, they're different tiers because people say, oh, if you're an entrepreneur, there's this notion that if you're an entrepreneur, it's like, okay, you don't really want to work. You want to just be by yourself and be your own boss. And that's not really true because for me, like, for example, I'm, 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 I'm actually completing my, my second master's degree program, my MBA. And it, it's really, really encouraging to also hear that you're also, you know, doing that, especially with the level and the profession that you're in right now. So how does that affect? And I also want to know this too, from your business perspective, how does having a master's degree affect your business and how does that impact your business either positively or negatively? It could be definitely positively, but you know, there's some pros and cons to everything. And of course, people have SWOT analysis, people have pest analysis and just understanding exactly what they're trying to do with their business. So how has that experience been like for you? You know, I didn't go back to school to really benefit the business. This was something I always wanted to do. I have a journalism degree and that involves zero math. Uh, or limited math, I should say. And so for me, uh, when I, when my husband and I got married, we started doing a little bit of investing in different things. And so I'm looking at financials and different things like that, that I didn't fully understand. And I felt like that was a spot that I was lacking. Uh, we had the, you know, we had the business. And so I was growing that and trying to understand what I needed to do. And for me, the, the financial side of things, when it came down to either looking at a business or at my own, it was the understanding. I really have no desire to go be a CFO for a global company. That is not going to ever be in my wheelhouse or be my own attorney. <laughs> also not going to be in my wheelhouse. But I think for me, it's the understanding of what's happening. It's yeah. feeling like I have a seat at the table. It was. It arms me with the confidence, kind of like we talked about. It arms me with that confidence that I need to sit down and review something and truly understand it and ask the right questions. Like I said, I'm not going to go be my own tax accountant, but I can ask my tax accountant the right questions. Right. And I think that to me is, is huge. And I would also say from a marketing perspective and what I've taken out of my MBA from a marketing perspective is not only the colleagues that have chimed in and offered to help on things or given feedback or just been a go-to for someone to, to review something, but it's some of the strategic thinking and the things that we're kind of doing now that I'm winding down to the end of my, my degree is diving into it and looking at things from a different perspective. One of the challenges we have is that Scott and I both come from the same upbringing. So we don't necessarily always have the same thought process or we have the same thought process. We don't think differently on a lot of things because we have that same background. Now, you know, he's a, he's a male who does different things than I do and we're totally different humans. And so we bring that different perspective from that point, but because we have the same background, we don't always think differently. And that I think is such a valuable piece of a business is to bring people in who think differently than you do. And that is a huge thing when you think about hiring a team is we're so apt to hire people who are just like us because it's easy to get along with them. We get their ideas, all these things, but bringing in that person who maybe pushes your buttons a little bit yeah, and maybe makes you slightly uncomfortable and asks questions that make you slightly uncomfortable. That person is not about hire. That person might be what you need to push you into that next level. Yeah. And that's what I've realized about myself is I don't operate well as a one man show. I need that other person to bounce ideas off of. I like to have that different perspective. And that's what I really enjoy. That's what COVID gave to us because Scott works a full time job elsewhere. And so he was he's in the was in the hospitality industry and was laid off or put on um he was not laid off. He was um gosh what the word I'm looking for. Um Anyways, he was, he was not working for a couple months and totally lost my train of thought on that, sorry. But um, it gave us a chance to dive in and work together on a daily basis. And so I now had this sounding board and he had a sounding board that we could bounce ideas off of each other, which we didn't really have before. We didn't have some of the structure we have in place now, but we because of COVID, we had that chance to do that. Yeah. And so that was huge that we were able to do that. And I, I think that's part of, the, part of what what makes you successful is being open to ideas. And that's what a degree for me gives me. And that's why I went back to an executive program because I had worked a long time 
and I wanted people who had also had a lot of work experience that we could combine our ideas together and learn from each other. And that's really what I get the most out of out of my, my class is that time together with my classmates where I'm learning way more from them than I probably am from a professor. We won't mm. tell our professors that, but I'm learning more from them than I am my professors. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing you probably have a similar experience when it comes to that too. Oh yeah, definitely. Even with my, my final class right now that I'm on about corporate finance, you know, we've had no in lectures, we've had no virtual class. It's all research. And you realize you're like, oh man, am I supposed to do this by myself? I don't even have my own colleagues around. I have to call them. I have to do this by myself. So it just shows you that when you're out there in the business world, sometimes you may need to be by yourself. Sometimes you may need to figure it out on your own. But that doesn't mean that they're not an arm's length away. That doesn't mean that they're not a call away. But it just shows you that your responsibility is entirely upon you to make that decision and say, hey, if I really want to make this great, if I want to really make this cut, if I want to really, really make this impact, then I have to put my 110% in. And that's one of the things that I I've... probably f- go ahead. I say you probably figure out your strengths and weaknesses too through this program where all of a sudden I, I, I myself, I'm like, okay, I know I need someone to help me with this. I need someone to break it down like this. This is how I learn. And I'm sure that's, you've found the same thing as that, that will benefit you in your career as you move forward because you know your limitations and there's nothing wrong with having limitations no one's perfect yeah but you know how to handle them now and how to address them and what to ask for exactly and it also kind of gives you that leadership mentality because now you're becoming more so one with yourself and understanding that hey i need help with this so this is where i'm going to reach out and know exactly what your boundaries are as well especially in a business society so that, that's a really great point you mentioned there. Um, before we go, there are two things that I want us to talk about really quickly because they are so exciting and I saved this for the last part. The first one is you have a fun fact that you traveled the world or you flew the world in about 58 hours and 37 minutes by living internationally and being a master of small talk, bringing people together. And to me... We have 24 hours and you did 50, <laughs> 58. Tell me more about that and how did that affect your business, your career, and especially, you know, family and, and business life? How did that balance come in? Because we already talked about your sanity and how you're able to control that. But traveling, <laughs> that's a whole different ball game. So, well, there are two sort of separate pieces. So, the f- flying around the world in 58 hours is the best idea we ever had that I'll never ever do again. Um, I got <laughs> laid off from the job, as I had mentioned earlier, and my husband wanted to utilize, he was actually just my boyfriend at the time, wanted to utilize, wipe out some airline miles because he wanted to switch over to a different airline alliance um, for his for his work travel. And so he said, hey, I've always wanted how fast I could go around the world. And when I'm, for when I'm 30, and when I'm 60, I want to see how long, how slow I can go around the world. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting concept. My mm. husband has these very weird ideas sometimes. And um, so I started working on it. I found somebody who worked for, gosh, was it America West at that point? US Airways at that point. And we started working through things and we managed to put together an itinerary that flew us from Phoenix to, gosh, where we go? Phoenix to Chicago, Chicago to Frankfurt, Frankfurt to Tokyo, Tokyo to Seattle, Seattle to Phoenix. Wow. And it was awful in the sense that you only slept on the plane. So you manage, you have all these time zone changes. You're only sleeping on the plane, which is terrible sleep, as we all know, who's ever slept on a plane. But it was so fascinating because I had never been to Japan. I'd never been to Germany at that point. And so it was great that we spent, the whole rule was you had to leave the airport, go have a beer, write a postcard, and come back. (laughs) So in most of those cities, those two big cities, we had about eight hours. Okay. So we, we hired a driver to pick us up, take us, show us the sights. We'd go, you know, have a beer. We'd go see the sites. We'd go do something, come back to the airport, shower at the airport, get back on the plane. And it was, it was a great way to see different things and different cultures and, and such a long experience because you're in all these different cultures within hours of each other. But I can tell you, I was so wiped out when we got back that it was brutal, but it was, it was amazing. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'm still around for the when he's 60 in the slowest way we can go around the world and spend some time in actual places. But yeah. um, about five years ago, we moved back from living internationally. So we lived overseas in Singapore 
for a couple of years. And that was just the most phenomenal experience. I could, I encourage everyone, if you have a chance to live outside the U.S., even if it's for a few weeks, a few months, to do so because it, it really makes you appreciate what we have here in the States. It makes you realize what we could do better. It also just makes you realize that everyone around the world is so similar. We all want the same things. We all want our families to be happy. We all want to have food on our tables. We want to have a roof over our heads. That is the fundamental things and what everyone wants in the world is pretty much the same no matter where you're from, no matter what you look like and what language you speak, what religion you believe in. And that to me was the, the foundation of the basis of what I took away from that is there are a lot of challenges and you really learn a lot about yourself doing that, but you really learn how small the world truly is. Yeah. Especially with the internet going on nowadays, you can really, you know, think about, oh, wow, you were there yesterday. Now you're here now. Wow. You know, so it feels like a global village now. And there's so much it that people, really is. <laughs> yeah. And even the people that come in that you connect with from outside, it feels like you've met them for a long time just because of the experiences that you've covered over a short period of time too. So that's a really, really great point that you mentioned there. I'll definitely try that because I'm a traveler. I just wish that I could travel some more, but you know, until the world opens up again, definitely I'm going to be trying to take that that excursion as well. And it, it's really well, it's refreshing. Like travel. It's like to stay in an Airbnb where you have to go to the market or at least a local restaurant that isn't at your hotel. Those little things are eye-openers. And I think it's so important to, to see what a culture looks like. And you staying in an all-inclusive somewhere doesn't give you an insight into what the world looks like outside of there. Exactly. It's all aesthetics. <laughs> Yeah, most mm-hmm. definitely. And 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 last but not least, this is something that I really wanted to ask you because this is something I've been trying to do. I think it's on my checklist or my, you know, when you have a dream or you have a goal and you're like, I want to do this by the time I'm 35. I want to do this by the time I'm 40. I've always wanted to have a TEDx talk. I've always wanted to be in that space and actually speak my truth and, you know, be of value to someone that could actually hear my story. So could you be able to tell us just a little bit about how you got into that space and what you spoke about and, you know, how you actually even got to that space because everybody I'm sure is mostly thinking, Hey, I wish I could do this too. So for you to have gone through that process, experienced it and learned through it, how can someone like me or whoever's listening go through that journey and actually feel the same way about what they're feeling? So I worked in a co-working space and a gentleman who worked in my space uh, had seen me present before and said, hey, I, we're doing this TEDx talk. I would really like you to do one. And I was, of course, you're intimidated because if you've ever watched a TED talk, you're, they're all superior speakers and it's very intimidating. I was like, oh, oh, never say no. So why not? Let's just do it. Sure, I'll do it. And so he helped me work through the content itself. And that's what they all do. They all give you someone to help you work through your content, which it makes everyone successful and make everyone confident. So I talked about how to make sports your secret weapon. And, you know, I injected in humor into it because I fully believe that humor is the only way to learn. Uh, and so it was, it was a lot of fun and it was very intimidating. It was very intimidating, but it was a lot of fun. And people talked from everything from the, the science of a smile to addiction to the secret, you're making sports your secret weapon. There was a little bit of everything in there, which was really great. And so for someone who's interested in doing it, they're always looking for speakers. There's local chapters in your area. They're everywhere. I mean, if you're in a small town, there's probably one as well. The universities have them. So a lot of universities have a a TED Talk uh, chapter, an arm, if you will. Okay. And those exist there. You can apply, go and attend and get to know the people who run it. There's a huge opportunity there to, to do that. And they're always looking for speakers. And just because you're passionate about butterflies doesn't mean you're not interesting. That passion is interesting to someone else. You can make that passion about butterflies fascinating yeah. to an audience. And it's a short talk. So you pull out all the, the stops on the stuff that you know is really interesting and will be attention grabbers for people. And there you have it. It's something that the, the beauty of it is, is because it's something you know you're comfortable with it up there. You're not giving a speech about the Gettysburg Address. You're giving a speech about something that you know. So I would encourage you to get to know people in your local market and really look into that. And as we come back, I'm sure that those will be the first things to come back 
because people want to hear from great speakers and hear about interesting things. And the big thing I would say too is make sure it's 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 truly holistic. You know, I went in there talking, being a sports person, talking about sports. But I wasn't there to pitch my company, and that's what they really don't want you to do.、Mm. So if you want to go in there and talk about the McDonald's you own, take that spin totally a bit differently. Take that into you want to talk about customer satisfaction or why three shakes of salt on the French fries is the perfect amount of salt. Right.、That's、something quirky that would go over really well with a TED talk. And so as you think about what that topic looks like that you would like to present on, think about something like that that is truly an attention grabber. That people would be interested in. That's a great point you mentioned there. Thank you so much. That that has really really enlightened me a lot because now、because. I'm able to. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. If there's any way someone wants to reach out to you or connect with you, how can they get in contact with you? Well, sure. So we're on social at last night's game or on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. So you can always reach out to us there via DM. You can find me on LinkedIn, or you just shoot me an email. I'm at Amy at LastNightsGame.com. So I welcome any feedback. I also just welcome. I mean, I have people all the time just send me a note about career advice or direction. That's what I'm here for. I think we all are part of what what takes to make this world go round, and we're all cogs in that wheel. So if I can help somebody, please send me a note.、Um, we would love it. So absolutely. Awesome. Oh, and we're lastnightsgame.com. I should probably say that too. Oh yeah, don't forget <laughs> lastnightsgame.com for sure. <laughs> thank you so much, Amy, for being here. It was a pleasure having you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy. I really appreciate it. Anytime, anytime.